Sunday is a big day on CBS. Still waiting in the wings to bring you a variety of entertainment are Rocky Jordan, Horace Height, Eve Arden, Joe Stafford, The Whistler, Red Skelton. Now, Del Monte Foods bring you a world of adventure with Rocky Jordan. Chris! Chris! I'm right here, Rock. You want something? I sure do. How'd she get in there? She who? That lady Godiva with a short bob. What lady Godiva? Oh, as if you didn't know. Come on, take a look. But nobody could have gotten in here without the... Well, Rocky... All right, Chris, cut it out. Not bad, not bad at all. Okay, okay, how'd she get in? I don't know, Rock. Nobody could have gotten past me. Yeah, well, somebody did. And if it's not a gag, there was a reason for it. Either way, I don't like it. Now, get her out of here. Okay, okay, you're the boss. But you may be breaking up the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world, takes you now to the Cafe Tambourine for another adventure with Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient east, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story... The Face of Diana. Well, that's the way it started. Innocent. Nothing to worry about. Just a gag, maybe. Only before it was over, I found out the joke was on me. And I wasn't laughing. It began when I walked into my office at the tambourine one afternoon to find her staring at me from the opposite wall. Eyes a little too blue, lips a little too red. Like he was searching for something, like he knew what he was looking for. Did you find it? I don't think so. He saw me and asked what the heck I was doing spying on him. I said, now look here. And he came over and swung on me. I'm a fairly agile man. Maybe I don't look it, but I... You ducked. Yeah, yeah, I did. Then you pushed him. Defending myself... Look, it's a slippery floor. And all you did was push it. Look, I like the guy. Twice a week after work, we play handball and go our ten lengths. You think I try to kill him? Now, do I look like that kind of a boy? See that he gets dressed, Muggum, and take him downtown. Leave there and out into the night street. Street that holds a dimly heard echo of Broadway three blocks away. Car ride now, downtown. Mission to break the news to an injured man's wife. West 28th, the injured man's address found in his wallet. 1212, brownstone converted into apartments. The directory reads, Mr. and Mrs. Martin Lane, 2C, on a handing card. Up the self-service elevator and down a corridor of red and luminescent carpet and green wallpaper. Jungle foliage type decor. Apartment 2C is halfway down. Mrs. Lane? She's home. Just give a little time. Uh, oh, okay. This time, every Wednesday. Oh, go ahead. Knock again. You you were saying about this time every Wednesday... I'm a baker. Then bread smells good. Well, here, go ahead. Take a whiff. Uh, uh, about this time every Wednesday... I deliver you... bread. Uh, Mrs. Lane is a girl who likes for dinner a fresh loaf of bread from the oven. She... Uh, mind if I do? No, go ahead. Mrs. Lane! It's me, Charlie. Charlie the baker, Mrs... Something's wrong. 
Oh, something's wrong. For three years, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I bring freshly baked bread. Mrs. Lane, it's me, Chuck. Something's wrong. We better get the man. She hasn't missed for three years, and at five o'clock, she called me and told me tonight the kind of bread she wanted. Let's try the door. Something's wrong. It's me, Mrs. Lane. It's Charlie the baker. I told you. I told you. I told you. What'd she do, faint or something? Dead. She's been strangled. A silence then in the room. And below, in the street, the drift of summer voices. The droning city heard clearly now. A puff of wind that moved the lace curtain moved a strand of hair across the woman's face. I phoned in the death. The next morning, positive identification was made from fingerprints checked out against a driver's license found in the woman's belongings. She was Mrs. Marty Lane, wife of Marty Lane, who was in the Polytechnic Hospital from a head injury. I called the hospital and was told Mr. Lane was improved, but still incoherent, still dazed with shock, and told that the staff had read or heard of his wife's murder and would keep the knowledge from him pending further instructions from me. Legwork, then, at the Lane apartment house. A neighbor of theirs in the apartment across the hall... You're perfectly welcome to come in if you want, Mr. Clover. There's no need for you to stand out here, hat in hand. Well, thank you. Well, I missed all the excitement last night. Oh? My husband and I were at the park, and... Uh, why don't you sit over there, Mr. Clover? It's cooler there. Uh, yes, thank you. Yes, like I said, I missed all the excitement. There, Harry and I were in the park. Harry's my husband. Just lying there on the grass, watching the other people, and all the while, Katie was right here, right in this apartment building, getting herself... To obtain the picture... But I am quite serious about buying it. What is your price? Price? Oh, it's way too high. Obviously, you do not recognize me. I am Kasha Bay, and I am well able to meet your figure, Mr. Jordan. Huh? Okay, I'll go along. You name it. 100 pounds cash. 500. Agreed, Mr. Jordan. The picture is mine. Kasha Bay pulled out a fat roll of bills, paid the 500 pounds, took the picture, and was gone. The price was too high, and it happened too fast, much too fast. I decided to check on Kasha Bay. He was in the phone book, all right. Address on the Nile front in the right part of town. That made me wonder about Willie Rosen again. So I headed for his stall in the Muski Bazaar. That's when I got another surprise. Willie and his paintings were all gone. But somebody else was there. Wax mustache and goatee, spotless white suit, flop brim Panama hat. And he guessed what I was after. Ah, oh, senor. Do I perceive that uh, you also are looking for Willie Rosen? As a matter of fact, I am. You know where he's gone? I know only that the weaver across the way just told me that he gave up his stall this morning and his painting. I've gone in payment of debts. He uh, owed you money, of course. Oh, no, no. It's the other way around. Oh? But he did owe you money, huh? Me? Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. Purely a professional interest. I will explain that I am Carlo Veroni, senor, an art dealer. Oh, I see. And you're very anxious to buy one of Rosen's paintings. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm afraid not, senor. He's uh, an old friend of mine. I, uh, I have purchased one or two of his sketches at a small price, but only to encourage him, you understand. Oh, sure. Any idea where Willie lives, senor Veroni? His studio is not far from here. As a matter of fact, uh, I was uh, thinking of trying there. If you would like, Sure, senor... Mr. Veroni. Let's go find him. Maroney took me half a block onto a street entrance and up three flights of shaky steps to Willie's studio. I watched Maroney's face as he knocked. There was no sound inside, so he knocked again. Right then, I got the feeling that it was the wrong place to be. Mr. Graham. 
This way to see Danny Clover. Thank you, Gino. You can go. Have a chair, Mr. Graham. Yeah, thanks. Seems that uh, you knew Mrs. Katie Lane. Especially when she wasn't a missus. Especially when she was just Katie Heglin. You got arrested once. Yeah, we got arrested, me and Katie. But for the one time you arrested her, you must have missed it a thousand. What are you talking about? That's just what Detective Muggerman asked me. Did you tell him? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, tell me, too. Well, Katie was wild. What I mean is she was wild. There was a time once in Harlem, in the village once. She pulled the same thing, the very same thing, and nobody arrested her. Detective Muggerman told you she was dead? He didn't have to. I read it. And I remembered Katie like she used to be with me. I told the detective about... You know her husband? Yeah, I knew him. Molly was more Katie's style than me. I couldn't keep up. So we took her away from me, married her. You ever see him afterwards? They invited me up a few times after. I got so I didn't go anymore, though. Why not? Oh, I don't know. They were changed. Not the same people. Couldn't have fun like the old times. What do you mean? Just that, no fun. They'd done something to each other. Katie was like another woman. Molly like another man. Why, I still don't... They were very good people. Angels. They're very good thoughts, Katie especially. One thing I know. What? Like I said, she changed. She thought good thoughts, though, so she's practically a cinch to make, haven't I? Yeah, sure. Sure she is. Katie's a cinch. Whatever kind of work you do, I'm sure you've noticed how it's the long, dull jobs that sort of get you down. You get so bored with doing the same thing over and over. Well, next time that happens, find out what a lot of help it is to chew delicious double mint gum. You see, as soon as you sink your teeth into a stick of smooth double mint, you enjoy a feeling of real satisfaction. And you'll like the steady, natural rhythm of chewing. Delicious double mint is a long-lasting treat, too. You can chew away for as long as you like, and you have something you enjoy doing while you go on with your work. And that cool, clean, double mint flavor is so refreshing, it gives you a pleasant lift. So you feel better, and things seem to go faster and easier. Yes, delicious double mint gum is a pleasant chewing treat that's helpful as well as enjoyable. So buy several packages at a time and treat yourself to a stick at work or anywhere. That's double mint chewing gum. Healthful. Refreshing. Delicious. We now continue with Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Late July, and the sun bursts over Broadway, and the light is golden and blinding, and the heat white, searing. And still they walk it. Walk the avenues of the sun. The tourists, the gawkers, the conquerors, the sleepwalkers. For the hawkers of Broadway have summer gimmicks to sell, not to be had elsewhere. And the tipsters of Broadway, a winner to be whispered such as was never known. And the sentimentalists of Broadway, a poem never before heard, crooned softly into the ear. So think fast, make a choice. Summer is short. And at headquarters, early morning of July, the talk, heat-weary, against background of drone is spun by the electric fan. They'll bring Anderson right up, Danny. Drone is spun by Detective Muggerman. You got a thought on it, Danny? 
Well, Dr. Sinsky's report says Mrs. Lane was strangled at approximately 5 in the evening, just after she called the baker. Uh-huh. When do we get to talk to her husband, Danny? Well, I checked the hospital a little while ago. He's still in no shape. Be helpful if we could talk to him. Uh-huh. Yes, Gino? Mr. Anderson, Danny. Officer Curcio just brought him up. Okay, bring him in. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. Look, how long are you people going to... Till we find out what happens to Mr. Lane from the push you gave him. You said it was a push. A couple other things. How is he? How's Marty? Not good, Mr. Anderson. We just got through asking a little while ago. Marty's not good. Uh, Go on, sit down. You and your friend Marty come to the athletic club twice a week, that right? That's right, twice a week. How'd Marty get there? What? How'd Marty get there? Why, his wife drove him there. You sure? Of course I'm sure. Why should I lie about a thing like that? Nobody says you're lying. Just tell us how you know Mr. Lane's wife drove him to the gym club twice a week. I know, because I see her. I see her drive up. Oh. Yeah, I see her. I always get to the club earlier than Marty. I wait for him in the reading room. Take my chair near the window, watch for him, wait for him, have a drink, read. Watch the passers-by. Watch for Marty, wait for him. Katie brings him twice a week. Another question, Mr. Anderson. You said you caught Marty going through your things. What what was he looking for? I told you, I don't know. You're trying to get me mixed up? What are you... Come on, Mr. Anderson. I'll give you back to Officer Curcio. Which Muggerman did. Then a little before noon, there was a phone call. The thing, Danny, the Lane automobile. It's not in their apartment garage. Nobody knows where it is. The car license number was obtained from the traffic bureau, relayed to the squad cars and the men on the beats. The Lane automobile was located in a parking lot near the Los Amigos Athletic Club, towed into the police garage. Short while later... Just came here from the lab, Danny. Yeah, take a look. Oh, thanks. No prints found on the steering wheel of the Lane automobile. Other prints on door and glass, too smudged. Well, maybe Mrs. Lane wore gloves, Danny. In this weather? Well, some women do. Some women wear gloves in the summer because it's a fashion. A lady drives a car, I she's got I talked to a... neighbors of hers. I didn't get the impression Mrs. Lane was a fashionable woman. Hmm. The other possibility is the wheel was wiped uh-huh. clean so as to get rid... Let's talk to Anderson again. Yeah, yeah, let's... I'll get him. Right in here, Mr. Anderson. Yeah, I'm beginning to know your little place like a book. Good. Get comfy. Chair okay? Fine, fine. Good. How's Marty? I called the hospital a few minutes ago. He's getting along. Is he going to die? No. It's a relief, boys. We want to run it down once more with you. I'll say anything you want. Boys, I'm relieved Marty's not going to die. The whole thing in that locker was an accident, right? Right. You caught him going through your pockets, a few words, he swung, and then what? He missed. I pushed him away, he slipped in a wet spot, and went out like a light. Mm. It makes no sense at all that he was going through your pockets. No sense at all. Okay, let's try it this way. The stuff in this envelope is what we took from you when we brought you downtown, okay? Come on over here and look at it. Okay. Right. The wallet. Is he going after that? I I doubt it. I saw him put it back before he caught me looking at him. Any money missing from it? Oh, there's a $5 bill and two ones. That's what I had when I left the house. 
This uh, automatic pencil? Why should he steal a dollar pencil? Well, these keys? This one's for my car. This is my house key. What do you want them for? Handkerchief? Uh-huh. This cigarette case? No. I, go back. Huh? To the handkerchief. Let me see it a minute. Okay. Ah, see? The lipstick smudge. Yeah, I see. He walked into the club. He had lipstick on his cheek, so I took it out of my breast pocket and handed it to you him. You sure it was his wife? Huh? You sure it was Mrs. Lane you saw? Of course I'm sure. You see her face? I'm sure I... All I saw was Marty leaned over to her and she kissed him. She always does that with Marty. She drives him. She kisses him good... Uh-huh. Hey, you said someone told you his wife didn't wear lipstick, huh, Danny? Mm-hmm. She didn't. Katie Lane never wore any makeup at all. I've known her for years. You never saw her with lipstick? Nothing, you? never. Then he remembered and he wanted back that handkerchief and the woman who kissed him goodbye wasn't his wife. Hey, what's going on? Nothing you have to worry about, uh, Danny. Yeah, release him. Which is about the time the hand moving on the wall says 3.30. Call the hospital again and be told that Martin Lane has rallied strongly and is taking nourishment. In fact, has smiled feebly at a doctor's joke. He's not strong enough, however, to be told of his wife's death. And outside, the newspapers have it. Mystery girl sought in slaying. Headline calculated to produce small chill during hot doldrum hours. And time and effort takes care of details, and it becomes 5 o'clock. Time to go talk to Martin Lane. Danny. He stopped at your office door. Wherever you're going, Danny, won't back up. This lady just came in, wants to talk to you. Hello. Hello. I'm Libby Norman. I want to see about the thing that's been in the newspaper about the death of Mrs. Lane. Well, please come in. Uh, sit down, please. Thank you. About the death of Mrs. Lane. That's right. I believe I'm the mystery girl in the case. You drove Martin Lane to the gym yesterday and kissed him goodbye? Yes, sir, I did. Why? Martin asked me to. Tell me about it. Well, Martin asked me to. I've been in the habit of doing what he says. For how long? Six months or so. How did you meet him? Same table in a crowded cafeteria for lunch. We went for it at the same time. Instead of snarling at each other, we found ourselves smiling. I suppose a reaction like that was kind of new for both of us. And then you started seeing each other. Yes, we did, you see. Both of us... Chabet is here. Pleased to come in. The servants are out for the night, but I will be happy to show you the way. She wasn't Egyptian, but she was tall and beautiful with a certain dignity. Only I had a feeling she was acting the part. With Sam, it was different. He was wiping his forehead with a big handkerchief, and it was no act. Jordan, have you quite gone out of your mind? Sam, what's the matter? Who is it, Countess? These two gentlemen would like to see you, darling. So? Oh, Captain Sabaya. My most humble apologies, Commissioner Kashat Bay. Commissioner? Yes, Commissioner Jordan. I believe you have not met my wife of a few months. Countess, this is one of my most trusted captains of the police, Sabaya Bay. And, uh, Jordan, don't you remember? Uh, it is a pleasure, Captain. And Mr. Jordan. Now, if you two will step into my study, you will pardon us, my dear? Of course, darling. Now, Captain Sabaya, the purpose of your unappointed visit. Commissioner, I, I, I must confess oh, that I'll I... Oh, I'll tell it, Sam. It's about your visit to my cafe tambourine this afternoon, Cachapé. Your cafe tambourine? Yeah, that's right. You bought a picture from me there by a painter named Willie Rosen. You wanted it real bad. Why? Captain Zabaya. Yes, Commissioner. Exactly how long have you been a member of the Cairo Police Force? Well, for almost ten years, Kashabe. I... It I... is unthinkable. But I do not understand. Then I will tell you. 
I have never seen this Mr. Jordan before. Neither have I been to his cafe, nor have I bought a picture from him. Today or any time. Jordan... Don't believe it, Sam. He was there. Enough. Captain, I shall expect a formal explanation of this affair, and in the proper manner. I, I shall submit a written report as soon as possible, Kashabe, with my apologies. Listen, Sam, why should I lie Jordan, to come out of this house now. Immediately. Sam marched me out, his fares flying behind him. At the curb, he slammed the limousine door in my face and drove off. Now any hope of further help from Sam was gone. So I caught a cab back to the tambourine. By the time I got there, I was beginning to... Third, huh, Mr. Lane? Okay, okay. Good and quiet life got too tiresome. You needed a change. I said okay, didn't I? Hey, you were quite a boy before you got married. Isn't that what you heard, Danny? He got into scrapes. Yeah, and his wife got into scrapes, too. Mm. You should have seen my wife before we were married. Gay, beautiful, wonderful dresser, and always having a ball. Wonderful girl. I changed for her so she'd have me. She changed for you. She became a drab. She thought that's what I wanted, and I did. I thought I did. That's what I became, too, a drab. You met Libby Norman. She wasn't gay, she wasn't a party girl, but she wasn't drab, and we had fun. Adult fun, not the kind of kid stuff Katie and I used to have. What made you strangle your wife? I don't know. I got angry, I got fed up. At her? At her, at me. In the years of nothing we had, I, I got fed up. I strangled her. Evening lowers down over Broadway. Time is ending. The daylight crowds find the subway and go back uptown. Small interval now of twilight hush, which ends quickly, which gives entrance to the nighttime people. And the street explodes. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Refreshing double mint chewing gum is really two treats in one. A satisfying, long-lasting chewing treat and a delicious flavor treat. That's a pleasant combination for real enjoyment and for a good many welcome helps that mean a lot when you need them. For example, when you get hungry in between meals, chew a stick of double mint and you'll find it's easier to wait until mealtime. You see, the smooth chewing is satisfying and gives you something pleasant to do. And double mint is light and agreeable, never rich or heavy. The cool, clean double mint flavor freshens your taste and sweetens your breath, too. Yes, delicious double mint gum gives you a good deal of enjoyment and many pleasant helps, all at a mighty low cost. So try it soon, at work or pleasure, indoors or out. Enjoy delicious double mint chewing gum. Costs so little, tastes so good, lasts so long.
Perón, but an original dagger he'd had for a long time. Dagger, Miss Perón? Surely not genuine. Yes, I'm certain. And he must have sold it because it, it wasn't in his room when they found him. There wasn't any money there either. Why, I hadn't thought about that. Suppose somebody was after the dagger. Where would Willie be able to hide it? A moment, Senor George. There is a way used by many to hide a valuable painting. Let's hear it, Mr. Peroni. An artist is only to apply a coating of shellac on the original and then paint another picture over it. Meaning maybe the painting Willie gave to me... Uh... My thoughts, you know. Yeah, there's only one way to find out. I'll see you later. Whether Baroni's hunch was right or not, it took me back to the house of Kasha Bay on the Nile. There was a light in one of the upper windows, but the lower floor was dark. I scouted the side windows till I found one that came open. I hit the jackpot. The room was used for storage, full of odds and ends of furniture. I lit a match and went to work. Finally, in a far corner covered by a tapestry, I found it. Diana at the fountain. That's as far as I got. You will observe the gun, Mr. Jordan. I always do. I had hoped you would not return. Now I ask why. Only to find something, Kashape. A valuable Dagger painting. I fail to understand. Sure, but you didn't give me 500 pounds just for Diana at the fountain this afternoon. The Dagger's underneath, right? Let's have a look. Do not touch the picture. You won't use that gun, Kashape. I regret that you make it necessary. I paid you for the picture, a fair price. Now you are broken into my house and I have every right... Kasha, no! Countess! What are you doing? Do not come in here. There is no other way. No, no, give me the gun, Kasha. Give it to me. Very well. Oh, I uh, suppose I owe you some thanks, Countess. Yes. Yes, you do. However, I, I think it is best that you now know the truth. No, my dear, no. Yes. It is too late to do otherwise. Wait here, Mr. Jordan. She left the room, and in a moment she was back with a bottle that held some kind of liquid. She stepped to the painting, and with a cloth began carefully rubbing the liquid on the face. Slowly, the face of Diana faded, and in its place, another one came through. Only it wasn't anything painted by Degger. It was the face of the Countess, Kasha Bay's wife. So now you know, Mr. Jordan. I see. Countess, hmm? Only you're really just an artist model. You posed for that picture yourself. Yes. I... I lied to become Kasha Bey's wife. I bought up every picture ever painted of me, except this one. To keep your husband from finding out. I did not know that he had learned my secret long ago. So you were both after the painting. Only Kasha Bey got it first. You must understand, Mr. Jordan. I forgave my wife the moment I learned of her lie... But there were others who... Oh, sure. It wouldn't be good. The right people found out. I had presented her as one of station. My position, my future were in jeopardy. And it was even worth strong-arm methods, huh? Who paid Botar and his pal, anyhow? You or the Countess? No, no, no. They were in my employ. And did you have them kill Willie? I... Wait, Mr. Jordan. The Countess had nothing to do with that part. I killed Willie Rosa. No, it is not true. But it is. I went to his studio. You must believe me, Jordan. Uh, it's a good try, Kasha Bay, but it won't work. Willie was killed not more than ten minutes after I talked to him on the phone. You were in my office then, buying his picture, remember? But it could not have been my wife. It could not have been. It could have, but I don't think it was. Yeah, the answer this time's in another painting. Another painting, Mr. Jordan? A dagger. An original dagger. And all of a sudden, I think I know exactly where to find it. 
Senor Jordan. You're back so soon. Yeah, I'm back, Veroni. And the Dega, you have found it? I sure have. Excellent. And, and where, Mr. Jordan? Well, you figure it out. Willie Rosen, painter, wants to sell a valuable Dega. Now, where would he take it? Where else but to an art dealer, to someone he'd done business with before. An old friend. An old friend? You, Veroni. Jordan, this is preposterous. Only Willie wanted money for that painting. A lot of money. More than you were willing to pay. Oh, you insinuate that You I... killed him, Veroni. Should have been obvious from the beginning. Only it all got mixed up with another painting that didn't have anything to do with it. Lies, a pack of lies. If I kill for the digger, what is it now? Some nice prints you got on your walls, Veroni. Those? <laughs> They're only cheap copies. Why? Right. Then I'll buy them. Jordan, what are you doing with it? With this jackknife? It's not for you, Veroni. For these pictures. Like this. You're mad. You've lost your senses. Not that one, huh? Let's try this next one. Not that one either. And maybe this oh, no, one. No, no, no. No, senor. Maroni broke, no. and I knew I had it. He grabbed a phony Van Gogh off the wall and swung. The frame glanced off my head, and I bopped him with a fake Picasso. He shoved a statue of Venus at me. The knife clattered out of my hand. He made a dive, but I grabbed a modernistic print of a hatching ostrich egg, and I came down. Maroni's head poked through where the egg used to be. That's when he decided to call it a day. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. As most of us know, raiding the icebox is a favorite pastime with the American male. And it's even more of a treat when there's plenty of that zesty Del Monte catsup handy to go with those late evening snacks. Mm-mm, there's nothing like a cold beef sandwich topped off with that wonderful, rich, spiced tomato flavor of Del Monte catsup. Well, as a matter of fact, Larry, Del Monte catsup is wonderful on any food that calls for catsup. As my family's favorite cook, I know from experience how Del Monte catsup adds so much zip and zest to other foods. And one of the big reasons Del Monte catsup has such rich, lively flavor is pineapple vinegar. Yes, Del Monte is the only catsup made with pineapple vinegar, a superlatively fine vinegar that coaxes out all that tempting deep-down tomato flavor. It gives Del Monte catsup an extra lift, a special zip and zest that means real enjoyment. When beans, hash, or chops need extra man appeal, just see if the delicious spiced tomato flavor of Del Monte catsup doesn't do the trick. For downright eating enjoyment, friends, be sure your next bottle of catsup is Del Monte. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. Well, my game of pictures with Veroni had stirred up a big noise. The police came and hauled Veroni and me both down to headquarters. Sam took over then, talked first with Veroni for a while. Next, he had me brought into his office, and we were alone. He gazed at me through his horn-rimmed glasses, but I wasn't sure what was going on behind them. Uh, Jordan? Yes, sir? Have I not read that the Indian people of your country had a charming custom to mark the end of hostilities? The offering of the, the peace pipe? Yeah, that's right. Have you got one? <laughs> no. All that I can offer is a cup of coffee. Will you join me? <laughs> Don't mind if I do, Sam. Thanks. Ah, very good. Now, just for the record, 
There are perhaps a few things you would uh, like to tell me. Oh, now he listens. I deserve that, Jordan. Uh, forget it. Yeah, it's not bad coffee, Sam. Well, it seems there was an Egyptian official. I uh, can't remember his name. Can't remember? Oh, yes, of course, naturally. Yes. He married a woman who posed as a countess. But then he got wind of a painting that proved she was a phony. Only trouble was, this got mixed up with another painting that wasn't faked. An original Dega. The one Veroni killed Willie Rosen to obtain. That's it. The motive was simple robbery from the beginning. Only a, a certain official and his wife stumbled in on it. That, of course, made Veroni think he was very much in the clear. Mm, that, plus your suicide theory. Very well, Lord. Yes, very well. Actually, Veroni tripped himself. In trying to lead me off the track, he suggested the idea of one painting over the other. That did it. Mm. Jordan, you still do not recall the name of this, um, uh, official? Funny, it still escapes me. All I remember is that he loved his wife an awful lot. Enough to protect her by confessing to a murder he didn't commit. Love is a strange emotion, Jordan. He did not. Well, that reminds me, Sam. I gave you 500 pounds belonging to Willie Rosen. There's a girl named Shirley Perron. Willie would want her to have it. And the Dega painting, too. Well, as you say, Jordan, you will find me quite amenable. After all, you have taken a most disagreeable task from my shoulders. Oh? What's that, sir? The necessity of making a formal apology to... Uh, uh, isn't that odd? Huh. It seems that I, I, too, have forgotten his name. <laughs> well, good night, Jordan. the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce, Del Monte tomato sauce and tomato juice, and Del Monte whole peeled tomatoes. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Larry Roman and Gomer Cool, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane Novello as Sam Sabat. They gave him 25. So, uh, three weeks later, he gave her 50 back. I yes, sir. So now she's going to dig up some more to invest. Well, just like everybody else in town, including me. Uh-huh. Has he told you why he's being so good to you folks? He sure has. And it's a mighty fine thing. Why? Well, because it was right here that one of his ancestors got his start. His name was Jodiah Morgan. Jodiah Morgan? Yes, sir. Back in 18... Oh, 1800-something. I see. So he's come here to show his gratitude for the town that gave his family a start. That's what. Oh, yeah. So, Johnny, you just invest everything you can with him, and you'll be glad you did. Uh, where'll I find this John D. Morgan? Uh, over at the Parker house. Well, Johnny... He made old man Parker turn the whole third floor into a suit for him and keep the hotel safe up there to keep our money in. Yeah, and you know what he spends for that suit of rooms? No. $100 every week? Wow. Yeah. Okay, Chief, thanks very much. Oh, uh, of course, uh, you being from out of town, though... Is... Well, uh, are you on pretty good terms with him? Oh, sure am. Well, 
I probably sent him more folks with their money than anybody. Oh, well, then uh, maybe you can do me a favor then. Well, sure. 